Across the Desk with Clement Manyatella on 702. Time for the Across the Desk feature. And today I am hosting columnists on Across the Desk. These are people who, as I said earlier, they enlighten us. Sometimes they provoke us. <laughs> sometimes they anger us. Um, they excite us sometimes because they write Sometimes things that we think about, that we have opinions about, but we're not brave enough to, to put it to paper. Uh, there are some of them who have written controversial pieces that end up in a backlash and protests. But yeah, all of us have opinions. But they are brave enough to put those opinions to, to paper. Um, and today, I just want us to tell us more about the work that they do as columnists, because they do more than just writing um, about their opinions on specific issues. So I've got three guests who are joining me this morning. If you've got questions around their thought process and maybe what have been their favorite pieces to write, um, whatever question you have around understanding their, um, their, their role as, as opinion writers, you can give us a call about that or send us a WhatsApp voice note. So let's say hello to Mondli Makanya, who is the editor-in-chief of the City Press newspaper. Mondli, thank you so much for joining this chat. Good morning. Good morning to you and all the 702 landers. We also. But the Patania ones. I'm sorry, say that again, Mondli. I said good morning to you and all the 702 landers, especially the Pataniyas among them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we also have Miriam Tam, who's an associate editor at the Daily Maverick. Marian, thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Thank you for inviting me, Clement, and morning uh, to all the listeners. All right, and then we also have Peter Dutoit, who's the assistant um, editor at News24. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for joining this chat. Good morning. Morning, Clement, and, and, and morning to your listeners as well. So I, I want to start off uh, maybe by asking and start with you, Mondli. How do you come up with, I suppose, a themes for your columns? Like, do you just observe during the week what's happening and what piques your interest, um, and then you start writing about it, or... Because there's so much happening in South Africa on a, on a daily, every single week. Or do you decide, oh, okay, this was the biggest story of the week, therefore let me opine on it. How do you go about deciding what opinion you're sharing and about what story? Well, fortunately for us in this country, we live in a, as you know, as kind of like as a journalist yourself, um, we do not have a shortage of things to yeah. write about, to talk about and to just to get worked up about in this country mm. um and but like so in a week i mean like from the time you finish your last column i mean like in my particular case it's a sunday column so what i would do is that the moment you finish you start thinking about the next one um but things move so fast the agenda mm. the African agenda is so fast that you in between Sunday and the, and Friday, when I write my, I mean, like when I have to su- to submit my column, mm. I basically I'm battling with like five or six ideas, sure. and I have to hone in on one particular one. Yeah, and and that now once you've honed in on the particular one, that's the difficult part now because you have to sustain, let's say, a thousand words, and make a cogent argument around that particular issue and the difficulty as well is that you you are leaving four babies behind and you've chosen Mm. this particular one and Mm. by the time the next week comes 
those topics will probably be dead because the news agenda has moved on. And so you, you hone in on, on this particular one and, mm. and then you have to make something that actually has an impact, yeah. not just for your own readers, but on the country as a whole, because that's what you, that's why you're doing it. You are doing it so that you are commenting on what is going to matter to the broader public and the, and the, and the republic as a whole. Yeah. Marion, do you, are you sometimes concerned about the views and the opinions that you raise in, in your pieces? Because often, I mean, as, as I said earlier, many, I've, I've read many of your opinion pieces, um, Peter Mondley and, and you, Marion, and sometimes you, you take very strong views about whether it's a political leader or a political party or a particular organization. Do you sometimes think, ooh, I need to dial it down a little bit here because, oh, the backlash is going to be crazy? Um, I do think about it because it's an enormous privilege and sort of responsibility when you have <clears throat> access to a, a public space, mm. and as I do with the Daily Maverick, and also I'm not as confined uh, to just to the political realm. I, I can write what I like in a column called Rolling in the Deep, so mm. literally anything. Um, by the time I've made my decision to, 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 I think, uh, write strongly about a particular issue or person, I would have done a lot of reading around it. Um, uh, I, I instinctively dislike bullies and cheats and grifters. Always have, always will. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I have an instinctive response to want to get up and move you with a bat, you yeah. know, which is metaphorically speaking. Yeah. And then I begin to sort of temper my own. I think a lot of the, the big columns are often driven by a sense of, uh, outrage or in, or mm. that injustice. Once it get the most, you know, of own feeling. That's because sometimes we can get stuck in our Yeah, yeah. And, and Peter, I think sometimes what we underestimate as, as people who just read the columns is that there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, I mean, Mondley mentions, even Marian, the research that you have to do. So this is not just you sitting at home and thinking, oh, this is BS. Let me, let me start just, you know, writing yeah. about what I'm thinking. There's so much work that goes into it. Like you do actually do a lot of research. Clement, the, the, the base columnists um, of, of, of which our two colleagues on, on this call is, is, is some of the best exponents in the country, but, but the best columnists are those columnists that, that really do their research before they put any pen to when, before the pen gets close to the paper. Mm. So, so the best columnists in the world um, are, are journalists who use that column to do some proper reportage as well. Um, to do some proper research on the ground and to and to convey what they see on the ground to the reader in a different format. Now, there's a there's a big difference between normal news reporting, which which is factual, um, which needs to be as dispassionate as possible, um, and which needs to convey the strongest and the hardest facts um, in the clearest and and most concise language possible to the reader. Now, that's a that's a news story, but a columnist and an opinion piece. Um, brings in personal experience. It brings in institutional knowledge. Um, it often adds color and 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 and, and the experience, obviously, of, of the author to the column. Um, but it must always be based on fact, and it must, I think, always be based on 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 hard news and hard reporting. And you know, for example, the stuff that Monley Monley is able to write, for example, with great authority about. KZN politics mm. and, and Jacob Zuma and the IFP and, and the history of 
the conflict in that area because he was a reporter and he was there. Mm. He was on the ground. So if, if Mangusutu Butelezi dies, Monley is the guy that you want to read because Monley was there when, that, when, 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 when everything went down mm. in the 1990s. So that's, that's what makes a, a good columnist. There's, there's nothing as irritating, I think, as a columnist, and, 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 and you use the term very widely, you know, someone that's just spouting his opinion on, on A, B, and C. I, I do believe it needs to be rooted and, and founded on proper reporting. Um, and the best columns I found, I find are columns written by, by individuals who were there um, and it can give us a first-hand experience of whatever the, the event or the issue he's writing about. Yeah, yeah. So, Mondly, as as someone who's the editor of the City Press newspaper, how do you navigate that fine line where sometimes you write an opinion piece, let's say, about Mango Sutu or the IFP or the DA, and then you... Because that's your opinion, but you're also writing around at the COVID, it's, it, it's facts. And then you've got a political party or a political leader who feels, well, you are the editor of the City Press. That means the City Press newspaper then hates this political party. But they, they, they forget that, well, as an opinionist, you can actually express what your opinion is about a particular issue. But when there's a, a separate news article, that, of course, follows the, the principles of, of journalism. Does that, does that sometimes confuse people in your experience? And, and how do you navigate that fine line? I think as, as my colleagues have pointed out, you, it is, you have to, you have to have knowledge <clears throat> to begin with. I mean, like you have to read widely and be on the ground and actually and interact and actually have that opinion. And that, that, that opinion is your opinion. And I mean, like, obviously in my case, I'm the editor of the newspaper. So my opinion cannot be, cannot differ from the newspaper because I set the tone for the newspaper. So generally what I, do in my column will be roughly the same opinion as the mm-hmm. as the stance that the newspaper takes on issues. But when it comes to, to expressing the opinion that I express and as a person, as a journalist, as an individual and, and citizen, it's an opinion that um that will necessarily offend people who do wrong. I mean, like, and I think a lot of what I do, a lot of what I write about, it's about issues that are defense of right. So if somebody is going to be offended by something that I've written, I mean, like, and it, it, might, it might sound a bit arrogant, but it's because that person is offended by me defending right, it's me defending justice, it's me defending the constitution mm. and the laws of the republic. So I'm okay with that person being offended or a group of people being offended, a political party or a group of individuals or an interest group being offended by, by, by what I'm writing because I am convinced that what I have written is in defense of this, the, the citizens. And I've, I've come across a lot of people that I have offended and they will fight with me and they will confront you and they'll confront you personally. They'll confront you um in letters, in phone calls, and sometimes, I mean, like, like often now, because there is social media, people will mount a campaign against us as journalists on social media, um, basically to say, no, this person has a particular agenda. And, and having an agenda is not necessarily a bad thing, um, because if, 
so long as your agenda is in defense of what is right and mm. in propagation of no sorry in, in defense of what is right and in propagation of upsetting the country in the in the correct direction mm-hmm. do you have a specific uh marian do you, do you have a specific opinion piece you have written that people took most offense to i mean at the top of my mind comes what what you had written about the eff and 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 having gone through the garbage and i mean there was a huge reaction uh to, to that opinion yeah. piece. It, yeah. do, do you think uh, that was uh, the one that offended no, people the most no the Vilkenhof one was um you know I've, i wrote a piece about the woundedness of men mm. and, and how that plays out and played out at the discovery of this torture room in, mm. in Vilgenau. Mm. Those kind of things really worry me because if that's happening in secret, it's kind of must be happening elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say another thing that really is a challenge for me and, and, and that I really enjoy is a, a columnist needs to approach language and writing differently. Uh, you know, when you write an email, you've got a particular informal style. A WhatsApp is different and, and, and writing a column or writing a news piece requires an engagement with language in a particular way. Now, English is a language that's uh, been placed in my mouth, as has Afrikaans. And so what's my challenge is to wrestle with it and expose some of its prejudices, uh, some own inherent biases, uh, words that just, you know, and I can do that because of the other languages. So I enjoy that much, uh, playing with language in my column. I don't think readers do me doing it but two together for me offer a really interesting challenging space to come up with something new and 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 that's our our lovely privilege is to think every week you have to think through something mm. so it's lifelong learning in a way yeah yeah so, if i may play clement here yeah. sure clement asked about the the garbage can one and yeah. where do you place that in terms of, you know, I, kind of I don't know how I place that in more sort of ambush journalism rather than a column. I mean, mm. it, 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 that, the, there's this, the backstory to that is I took a walk in the forest, in the Newlands Forest the evening before asking the universe, whatever that might be, why the hell I'm doing this job. I've had like been followed by the cops and my house had been broken into and, you know, all sorts of things. And the very next morning I get a phone call from a contact. I've been in Cape Town for a long time and I know a lot of people. And as Monty says, you, you need to interact with people, keep contact with them. And this person phoned me and said, there's something I think you'd like to have a look at. And so literally I see the, the EFF garbage is like the same as electronic garbage, which is the Gupta leaks, you know, mm. it's evidence. <laughs> and it was the strangest thing to happen the day after I wondered why the hell I was doing this. So I had fun with it. I mean, what can I do with it? Except ask the EFF, what, you know, what is this? And ask mm. before you send in, Lord, why is your, why is your air ticket in this garbage with this fabulous, um, heap of French champagne and various other, you know, signs of a massive party, you know, mm. they could have just told me to bugger off, in which case um, it would have been slightly different. But they, they chose to engage and lie to me, which then, you know, as I said earlier on in the beginning, I don't like that. So mm. once that happens, you've crossed a line. Um, uh, so, yes, it, it, it was. And I thought, you know, they're hypocrites. Um, my mother's village in Portugal is a, is, is a kind of localized economy and nobody needs to shout and scream and, and kill each other for it. So if you want to do localized economy, book into the fabulous guest houses in, in Langa, you know, owned by South Africans, not some German, you know, rich person who's charging you 40,000 rand a night. You know, anyway, and I got the deets. I got like who paid and, 
you know, I had a lot of fun with that story because the person who managed the, uh, uh, the, the villa, uh, phoned and tried to intimidate me. And I just reminded them that until this point, they hadn't been a part of the story, but if they wanted to continue, they would become part of the story. So that sorted them out. Mm. So it's experience, um, of having worked in the past and mm. now that enables me to deal with this in, in, in a very unique way because it was a unique thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, Peter, do you, I remember the opinion piece which which I enjoyed that you had written. You, you were part of the journalists who were stuck in Poland, right, on the way to Ukraine. <laughs> yes. I mean, I remember that, and and I remember Kumbuzon Chaveni, the minister in the presidency, almost referencing that in one of the briefings. That yeah, we took journalists there, and then some of them come and say these things. Maybe we must reconsider whether yes. or not we should take journalists next time. Do you sometimes find yourself in that situation where politicians come and attack because they feel how dare you have an opinion about this when yeah. when what we were sending you there to do is just to report on the facts and not to come oh, yeah. and tell us your opinions clement and i think what 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 people sometimes don't realize i was i was uh, i was in parliament for for almost five years as a parliamentary reporter and um, and what happens in, in in when you when you operate in close proximity to politicians um, obviously you form some form of a or you you form a, a relationship with those politicians mm. they you know, everyone understands the, the symbiosis between journalists and politicians. Politicians need journalists um, to get their message out to the public and often try to spin it as much as they can. And journalists um, need that relationship with politicians because we, we, we're looking for stories. Um, and sometimes um, those lines get blurred because politicians think simply because you are on a good footing with them or whether you're polite with them, that, that you're friends. And that they, then they start trying to manipulate you. Um, and then they start expecting uh, um, expecting a certain line from you, or to, they expect you to to over, to to, um, to excuse certain transgressions. Yeah. And I think that's that's what we always need to guard against. So now we're sitting um, on the plane on the tarmac in Poland. It was quite obvious from the very beginning that the arrangements were were were, were not what it's supposed to be. It was obvious from the moment we landed in in Warsaw that we're not going to see the president, and that this will probably be a 24-hour to 48-hour jaunt uh, on the on the public purse. Um, and then once that penny dropped, you know, then then we had to start telling our readers and the public what we were seeing and what we were experiencing. You know, we aren't there as 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 guests of 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 the government. We weren't mm. there. As, we weren't doing them favors. You know, we were there on behalf of our readers. And whenever I write, you know, I try to keep in mind that, you know, we've got how many million readers every single day. And those are the people that I, I owe allegiance to. Those are the people that, that I need to tell what I see is being done with their public money, with taxpayers' money. Um, and, and Monley spoke about, you know, just defending the right thing. And, you know, in, in, in my instance, you know, I've got two things that I, that I, that I always rely on. One is the point of departure should be the Constitution. That we, we should all, whatever we do, I think, is if, if your point of departure is the Constitution, Section 16 of the Constitution that, that, that governs free speech and, uh, you know, the, 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 the Bill of Rights in the Constitution that, that, that governs how we live, you know, then you're on a good, solid wicket. And then secondly, the press council, the press code, which, which we try to stick to as diligently as we can. If you stick to the press council, the press code, and, 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 and the Constitution, I feel you can write whatever the hell you like. And if it irritates a minister, um, you know, so much the better, because it means that your column is probably hitting the spot, um, and mm. you're probably not far from the truth. Um, and our job as journalists 
is to make those people in power, whether it's political, economic, or social power, we need to make those people feel uncomfortable because we, we are part of a, a democratic um, ecosystem that needs to keep power in check. Um, and, and often we fail, but sometimes we get it right, um, and sometimes the system works. So, so if, we, if we can make people in economic that, that hold and wield economic, political, or social power squirm, then that's good. That's what journalists are supposed to do. We are supposed to irritate. We are supposed to get up uh, people's noses. But we always do it um, for the good of, of the democratic project, I think. Yep. And boy, oh boy, um, as columnists, you do irritate <laughs> these politicians and, and political uh, parties. It's 10.30. Across the Desk with Clement Maniatella on 702. All right, um, it's 25 minutes before 11 o'clock. Uh, it's the Across the Desk feature. Really enjoying the conversation I'm having with these columnists, Mondli Makanya, Peter Dutoid, Miriam Tam. And if you have some questions, you can give us a call right now on 011-883-0702 or send us a WhatsApp, text or voice note on 072-702-1702. Unati, you're calling us from Centurion. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Clement. Uh, mine is just uh, based on my simple observations, which obviously are backed by nothing. Uh, that if I look at the, 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 the media houses, which I think your guests are coming from, um, there is there's always a talk around sectors to say that the media is pushing a certain narrative. So the question that I want to know, because it looks like there's distrust between us and what the media houses are doing, and over and above that, do these columns that they are that they write, are they actually feathering the interests of the media houses that they come from, or um, do they believe that they, they, the stuff that they write about mm-hmm. is actually information that is actually trying to either come up from their own perspective rather than feathering the interests of the, the media houses that they come from. Thanks. So wait, I'm just trying to get the question. So the opinion pieces they write, uh, is that based on what the readers want to hear or is it just based purely on um, their own um, intentions and maybe the intentions around feathering the interests of the media houses? Is that what you're asking? Precisely. All right. Unati in Centurion, thank you. I'll get them to respond to that in a minute. Let's go to Stan in Bryanston. Stan, hi. Hi, Clement. How are you? Shop, shop. What's your question? Uh, I think for me it's a comment, Clement. Uh, I, and I'm going to hit on what Marianne said when she started. Because uh, sometimes I've read her opinions and I kind of like formed an opinion against yeah, to say this is an EFF better or something like that. Mm. But when she started and said uh, she doesn't like uh, she uh, she doesn't like people who, who are bullying and all of that mm. stuff. I feel if I had known that perspective before I read opinions, I would have then had to I would have maybe understood where she was coming from because without knowing that part about her, I would I just uh, thought maybe mm. this is the person who who like hates uh, Julius or something like that. I don't know how they can maybe put it in their opinions to say, this is the kind of person I am, mm. so that I as a reader, you know, mm. I don't have to, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so so at least, so you say you, it's it's better when you at least understand, you know, the context. Yeah, where the person is coming from, you yeah. know. Uh, okay, got it. Stan in Princeton, thank you so much. Mondly, 
Um, you can reflect on what Stan is saying there. I'll, I'll get all of you to ref- reflect on that. And also on what Unati was saying. When you write, are you writing what the readers actually want to hear? What advances, suppose, their knowledge as well? Or is it more about feathering, as Unati says, the interests of that particular newspaper and what its agenda is? Can I just start with um, the Unati one mm. and just say that we we do not further the interests of our media houses or the interests of who kind of like of the owners and so on. Um, we are journalists, and as journalists, we we do we report facts, and the opinions that we we write are based on facts. Um, Peter and I belong to the same newspaper group. News 24 and City Press are owned by Media 24 and, and ultimately Nasdaq. Um, I can say for a fact, 100 100%, 300% or however many percentages, I do not talk to the bosses about what we do editorially at all. Um, and I've been... With City Press for over a, uh, over a decade, for, for about a decade now, and I have worked in various media houses, um, practically all of them in, in, in this country, uh, uh, the, the newspaper houses. Uh, and at no point have I ever experienced um, the bosses saying, this is the line that this newspaper must take. This is a line that that your journalists should, should take. Um, mm. There is a absolute Chinese wall, and I'm sure it's exactly the same at, um, at Prime Media. So this, this idea that we as journalists um, are furthering an agenda of somebody else, mm. of our owners, that's the biggest bull, uh, BS that you will ever find. There is no such. And as I said at the beginning of my thing is that Peter and I work for the same group, and and Peter and I kind of like we will agree on certain things yeah. and we will uh, disagree on mm, certain things. Mm. And but like there is no media twenty four position on anything. And then just secondly, we an agenda. I mean, like I think broadly in, in South African media, I think all of us. I mean, like unlike you know in the UK, you will find um, that there are newspapers that lean towards Labour newspapers. Newspapers that lean towards uh, media, rather, that lean towards labor and media that lean towards the Tories. Same in the U.S. and in other countries. In South Africa, we don't have that tradition. Um, we basically, we do facts and then we do opinion. And the opinion, the opinion is backed up by facts. You cannot just simply say this. Um, you can't just go and, and base an opinion on just, um, pulling at straws and, and all of that. Mm. I'm like, and we have um, re- re- regulatory bodies such as the press council and in terms of in, in the broadcast space and um, the BCCSA is, 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 is there. So we don't, we are accountable. We, we cannot just say things just willy-nilly, but things are out of the air. So, so that's the one. Um, that's the one. Um, sorry, I, I, I got lost to, what was the second so one? So Stan that, um, wanted to know where, because where, he says he used to read, like for instance, when he read uh, Marianne's uh, pieces, yeah. he, would th- he would think, oh, this is a woman who just hates the EFF and Julia's. But having had um, Marianne explain now that she hates bullies, 
you know, what the context is around even some of the stories she picks up to opine on, he now sort of understands. So he's asking, yeah. is there no way that as opinion writers, you know, um, opinionists, you can almost maybe at the bottom or somewhere say, this is why I choose the particular subjects I choose to, to, to opine about because I'm committed to the constitution and I hate corruption or whatever inspires and, I and influences you. I would not say that's necessary at all. I think if you read somebody over a period of time, you get that. You kind of get the sense yeah. of, about what gets someone going. I mean, like, that this person will write about Helen Zille um, as virulently as a mm. person will write about mm. um, Julius Malema or Cyril Ramaphosa. I think you, you kind of get the thread of where this person yes. is thinking and this person's passions are. Yeah. And so I don't think that kind of like a, 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 a disclaimer at the bottom or mm. at the top would necessarily make a difference. We do have, um, as, as media, we will have other writers, by the way, I must say, I mean, like with us, we are regular columnists because we're journalists, but we get opinions from other people, whether it's politicians or analysts or professors or ordinary members of the public or activists who give ver- various perspectives. And at the bottom of those um, pieces, we will have, a thing that says so and so is the leader of so and so is a professor of politics yeah. at this particular base or an activist who's interested in school toilets and kind of like the the, the pit latrine toilets. So so those people we do say this is this person and this is why this person is writing okay. this way. But we who write all the time, um people should get a perspective of this is who Monty or Marian or Peter is. Yeah. Uh, and Marian, any reflections on what uh, Stan was raising? Yes, absolutely. I will, I'll make an upfront disclosure that I am, you know, as, as prefer, uh, Professor Trevor Kwani has found in his book, I'm a committee. I'm, I'm an anarchist in the true sense of, <laughs> of the word. That's my political persuasion. So uh, people hear the word anarchist and think, Oh my God, it's burn everything down. But essentially, I'm driven by a sense of if a law is there and it is unreasonable or ridiculous, it needs to be, uh, you know, kind of challenged in some way. That comes from my past in apartheid, but it also also comes from my observation, as Professor Nwani says, when you remove uh, laws and the fear of government from people's lives, so look at a traffic light, for example, now when uh, there's load shedding, generally speaking, South Africans, you can pull out a gun at five seconds, are wonderfully, wonderfully anarchic. We say, you go, no, you go, no, you go, and the traffic flows. You drop your, your basket in Woolworths and people help you, the lights go off. That kind of civil cooperation that you see amongst people is, is what thrills me and what I've view as anarchic, that is people being in community with each other, regardless of what the laws and what other people say. And of course, all of this is contained within our beautiful constitution. So that's the extremely bizarre uh, platform from which I come, which is why the, the, the Daily Maverick, which welcomes complete mavericks and lunatics like me, is the, is the best space for me. I've never, ever been told uh, you know, what, who the funders are and what, what, what I must write. And I'm, in fact, we've had fabulous arguments, you know, about uh, Palestine, Israel, Middle East, all of us. We can say what we want. Mm. I've never felt any, any gag. Yeah. The only thing that tries to sort of get in the way are the threats that people make. But if they inform threats or <laughs> not inform threats, if they inform criticisms, I'm happy to yeah. engage. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I mean, Peter, you, you can reflect on that as well, but, 
I mean, it's all so laughable. I always laugh every time I hear people who think we somehow receive a script, script yeah. from some boss who's sitting somewhere yeah. in London or in an office in Central. And sometimes, I mean, I disagree oftentimes even with my colleague Bongani who will hold an opinion about something. Yeah. And I come on my show and I say completely something different. And I'm like, okay, if really we've got someone sitting somewhere giving us a script, why do we differ on some issues? And even with you, Peter, I've read... I've read pieces you write, I've read pieces Kanita writes, and somebody else writes, and it's yeah. difference of opinion. Absolutely. Look, I think people have a good conspiracy theory, and, 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 and society often flourishes on that, but the reality is often much more bland and much more boring than what people think. Um, when Mondi talks about, you know, uh, you know, we might we work in the same media house, we might disagree and agree on stuff. You know, there's stuff in my newsroom that people don't disagree with. Mm. You know, in my little investigations team at News24, you know, we don't hold the same opinions about stuff all the time. So so that's that's the wonderful thing about this country and the wonderful thing about journalism is that people come with their different uh, backgrounds, their socialization, their, mm. you know, what, what they've experienced. And, and, you know, as long as you come with honestly old beliefs and bona fide, then, then that's fine. You can differ and you can. You're allowed. And you should disagree. That's the only way in which society can strain forward. The only way in which this country um, can improve. The only way in which we can make this place a better for a better place for all of us is if we disagree and if we can debate stuff and try to look for solutions. Now, when we write stuff in our columns and in our news reports uh, on radio, you know, the purpose is to make the country a better place. Um, the purpose is to make this democracy work. The purpose is to, to make sure that we don't ever, ever see a period like state capture, which we've just come through. Again, that means we need to be vigilant. We need to irritate. We need to make people angry. Um, and we need to write stuff that challenges uh, conventional thought, challenges conventional wisdom. There's nothing as bad as groupthink. There's nothing as bad, I think, in this country that, you know, everyone thinks the same and believes the same thing and, and wants that, you know, that this simply not how our country works but we are never told what to write we are never given instruction what to write i can literally write what i like um the only constraint uh to what i write as a journalist at news 24 is the constitution and is the press code mm-hmm. um, but outside of that i can literally say what i want okay. as long as it's honest you yeah. know and based on fact yeah all right let's go to some more messages uh, coming through on the whatsapp line um, in fact, someone else says, Clement, I love how well-researched uh, Peter pieces are. I always enjoy reading his opinions. And then Celeste says, Clement, great discussion. Marion is so funny and such a rebel. <laughs> such a rebel. She makes us think. I love her. And then um, Raymond says, Clement, I have the greatest respect for Mondli. He is not a tribalist, unlike many, and shows no favoritism. Despite him being a die Hard fan of pirates. He's the only journalist I know who has ever had the courage to write a critical uh, column about Evan Causa. And le- le- uh, there's a question that has come here just to pick up on, on the Evan Causa issue. Um, Mondly, someone is asking, are there certain issues and people that are untouchables that they can write about, i.e. Um, Parveen Godan? And I suppose this listener probably thinks there are not a lot of opinion pieces that are being written criticizing Praveen Godan where he needs to be criticized. Your thoughts? No, I don't think that there is anyone who is out of bounds. Um, we write about everybody. And in fact, I mean, like, it's, a, it's interesting that the writer, sorry, that, that the listener has asked about that one because I am actually in the middle of doing exactly that. 
I am writing about Pravin Godan. Oh, that's going to be fun. Before. Is it coming up this Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, like, it's, a, it's not a plug for, for what I'm writing this Sunday, but I'm definitely writing about Pravin Godan because okay. I think, yeah, you know what, um, in, yeah, just to go into that, I'm like, there was a time when Pravin Godan was seen as a kind of like a hero um, during the state capture period, and he got it into his head that he is an untouchable. It's in his own head. And I think that's why he's behaving the way he's behaving now. Um, but definitely, I mean, like anyone who is in power is fair game for us, um, whether it's in business, politics, or sport. Um, and I mean, like the 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 listener has um, spoken about a certain column. I mean, like, and I wish people would remember. Um, earlier column, I'm mean, like later columns from last year, the year before, and but everybody always remembers the column I wrote about Evan Koza back in 2006, mm. 2007. Sure, yeah, the man who the missing <laughs> and everybody, yeah, and as, as the person says, he calls me a fan of Orlando Pirates. Um, Orlando Pirates does not have fans, and um, my fan is an outsider. We are Orlando Pirates, so, <laughs> so I am one, so, but like I could write about Evan Koza because at that particular point, um, it was a matter that was relevant, and people. And a lot of people who write sports kind of mm. like behave that way. People do not write about um, certain figures because those figures are powerful or people just, they fear them. It's not necessarily that they like them. People fear certain people. Yeah. And I don't think that we as journalists should ever have that emotion called fear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mbatani uh, in Rosebank, uh, you're calling Hi. us. Good morning. Hey, Mbatani. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Go ahead. I'm saying uh, Monji for president. I think for the next elections, I think we should vote for Monji. <laughs> he's one of the best that we, he's one of the best we've got in our country. Mm. What I wanted to to say is that between what you guys say and how it permeates from high class to middle class to a working class to a rural person, we need to. I mean, you guys need to find a gap to bridge the message because you know. <laughs> What you are saying is true, but it doesn't change the whole society. It changes the people who listen to you. There are people who don't listen to 702, who are rural, who vote. So I think what politicians throughout in Africa, they they use the the rural people or the uneducated people who don't listen to the message to say, we are giving you the, the grant, you must mm-hmm. vote for us. So I think we need to, to find a way where we bridge the gap between 702 and a local radio station so that the message goes right across to the voters so that the democracy doesn't only end up to the land or English-speaking people, but, you know, to anyone who votes so that we, we stop this thing that the politicians will always use to try and get the votes because you are only reaching the middle class or the working class or some of mm-hmm. so it, it needs to go right to the person who doesn't understand English yeah. and the message needs to be... Yeah. So you guys need to find a, a, a match. You guys are doing a great job, but I think you need to bridge the gap that the message goes to uneducated, pe- retired person in the village and say, but these politicians are talking nonsense. Okay. Mbatani uh, in Rosebank, thank you. Marian, that becomes tricky because what is the purpose of you opining? Are you doing it to influence or are you doing it to just reflect and express an opinion or do you want to influence policy or influence people around well, 
I'll, I'll tell you how I've sort of found myself accidentally doing something called performance journalism, which just kind of bridges the gap from the page to the stage. Mm. I didn't know this was happening somewhere else. I also have to tell you one thing that I really love South Africans and I love how the society is put together and, and, um, our responses to Cape state capture and how we withstood. So the show is the show. I, I'm not, it's not even a show. I don't know what it is. I realized people don't understand how we stopped the nuclear deal. What, what the constitution did for us in the years of state cap when colleagues like and others and Peter were, were we're, we're, you know, hounding out the, the thieves. So it's been an interesting exercise, but my, my, I don't want to change anyone's minds. I just want to show them what's there. And mm. at the same time, what was, you know, what is still standing? And I really do find South African politics unbelievably interesting. I can't think of another country, um, that, that so uh, captures my imagination and that has so much potential for the future. If you look at the countries where, uh, in the world, I think there's 65 of them this year having elections. elections yeah. South Africa's election is actually one of the most interesting. I mean, the way we speak, what we speak about, our diversity, the contestation of ideas, that's not happening in Europe. That's not happening in the UK. That's not happening in America. So I am driven by a institutional memory of how cuck it was to live under apartheid and as Mondi and Peter know too. And what it is I see I live in now mm. with all its darkness, but how much has uh, actually really been done. And I, and I just want people to uh, at the same time be angry, but celebrate. So mm. that's partially my, my, my mission. So yeah. to speak. Yeah, Peter, what's your mission? Because sometimes the, the influence happens indirectly. I mean, there was an opinion piece Adrian Basson wrote in, in, on News 24 that I read about what you guys revealed in Stellenbosch and, and those secret, you know, uh, things that were happening to first year students, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember uh, Adrian was asking, where is um, the chancellor at the Stellenbosch University? And I think a day or so later, he releases a statement. So it may have been, may have not been an intention to like get him to say something, but they read these things and sometimes they respond. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, the, the uh, journalism has become, and in this country, especially given what we've been through historically and in more recent times, you know, you need to use the privilege that you've got as a journalism or as a journalist with a big platform for the public good. You know, you have to be, if, if you if you are going to exert influence and if you are going to exert influence on, on, on behalf of some or other form of change, it needs to be changed for the better. I you know, if if you ask me what, what drives me when I write a column, it's about informing people. I, I want to take you know, as as journalists we've got the privilege of, of often being in the front row of unfolding events, you know, seeing history happen and if I can take readers on that journey with me to show them this is how it the system looks from the inside this is what people are not telling you. Um, this is what happened behind closed doors. Um, and I'm happy. Then I've, you know, I feel I've, I've, I've achieved something. If, if people give me feedback and tell me they found this very interesting and this opened their eyes to something, you know, then, then, then I've achieved what I wanted to achieve with that column. So, so I like history. I like, I like attending or, or you know, telling readers um, what I've seen, what I've experienced, whether it was in Warsaw on the steps of the Union buildings or. You know, in the National Assembly, when Thabo Mbeki was, 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 when his uh, letter of resignation was read out, you know, we all experience stuff as journalists. Mm. Uh, we've got the privilege of seeing things up close. 
Um, and if I can tell readers what I saw, what I've seen, what I've experienced, and if they respond to it, then, then I'm happy. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. You've been great. I appreciate you making time for us and helping us understand your thought processes and what your intentions are um, as columnists. Mondli Makanya, Editor-in-Chief of the City Press, Peter Dutoid, Assistant Editor at News24, and Marianne Tam, Associate Editor at Daily Maverick. Thanks to all of you for making time.